drinking, bro. Put down the water and grab a fucking drink. <laughs> Whoa! Oh, is it weird that we just have two voices? That's it. Just two yeah, voices it sounds tonight. empty. It sounds it sounds super fucking empty. But it it, so, it sounds empty and it sounds full at the same time, Jared. It really I, does. I don't want to know what it's full of, though. It's full of Jimmy John's. It's full of laughter. It's full of love tonight. <laughs> it's it's, because Jay, later, it's Jared Yellow Dart Taylor. It is. Stop making Yellow Dart happen. It is Jimmy John Jared, and that's what we're going with. And and big dick Ross Patterson, obviously. Oh God, your um, nickname is ah. Uh, look, unfair. I didn't, I didn't name myself that. The world did. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think, <laughs> I think when I was born, I think the nurse did that. I don't know who got a hold of my birth certificate, um, but they need to go to hold of Obama's and do the same thing. But, but it, I think it, I think it said big dick on it. I think it said big dick on it. Uh, tonight it's just the two of us. We have we just have no Matt Best. Two of us. Just the two of you and yeah, I. Cue, cue the music. We have no let's, Rocco. Let's we have get no. Fun we have no Matt Best. We hey, this is this is by the way. This is a this is a, this is a Planet Fitness episode. There is a judgment free zone. Nobody's judging you over there, Jared. <laughs> you can drink. Uh, you can drink how much you want. You can eat how much you want. There's not two guys there. Who are working out every day who are and going to judge you are, and post who, this on Instagram. Who have to highlight every time I spill all over myself. Yeah. It's just, it, like no no one's going to know. No one's I, – like I, I'm not going to know if you spill on nope. yourself. No, nope. I'm not going to know if, if, if you take a take a break to eat a, a bite of a sandwich during hey. during an interlude. Hey. I, look, I'm not going to know that. That's That's my whole point. You know what I'm saying? The microphone may pick that up, but not me. <laughs> Not me. Um, oh man! Well, and, let's get in tonight's episode. Yeah. Let's get to it. Let's tonight's get to it. episode. You, you know who it's brought to by Jared. It's a personal fan fave of, of both you, you and I. I love it. Uh, I absolutely it, love it. So do I. And this is on a real, genuine level. We fucking love Carnivore Club. Yes, Carnivore Club. Kind of like the dinosaurs. Dinosaurs who eat other dinosaurs. They're they're, they're called carnivores. That is what this club is called. Jared and I would belong to this club. And what goes great with both beer and wine, it's it's meat. Meat. Motherfuckers, it's meat. For those meat eaters listening, those carnivores like us, imagine this. Imagine every month somebody packs two pounds of the tastiest, highest quality dry cured meat they can find into a box. And then they fucking mail that box to you. And, and it's a new goddamn meat every month. It really is. There's venison jerky, wild boar salami, spicy spreadable pork, you name it. And it's not like Jimmy John's. That shit's not prepackaged. They don't ship it in from like Mexico or wherever Jared gets it from. It's right here. It's a real goddamn thing. It's called Carnivore Club. Taste it for yourself. Go to carnivoreclub.co. That's .co and sign up. You can use the promo code DRINKINBROS, D-R-I-N-K-I-N-B-R-O-S, to get 10% off your first box. Oh, my God. Mm. Man, that was a good one. Dude, I fucking, I actually like it. Like I do. I got that first box, and we had devoured it in, like, Devoured, devoured it, devoured it. You, you know what's funny, Jared? So last night, long flight home from LA, 
uh, was finishing it up, locking the edit on Range 15. Mm. Came home, a lady was like, oh, I just want some cheese and crackers and, and, and some salami. She got, she got boar's head. She got fucking boar's head. <laughs> not as good as Carnivore Club, not even lying, yeah, no that's joke. Because it's, it's, it's not, you know, spicy boar salami. No, no. And, and, it, and it wasn't shit to my goddamn house, I can tell you that. I went to a grocery store and had to buy, we, we had to buy boar's head, and I wasn't amped about it. So uh, anybody who, who's listening, go to carnivoreclub.co, get yourself some goddamn meat. And if you're going to eat and that meat, you might you might as well drink that with some whiskey. Yeah, but enjoy it with some whiskey. Who's that whiskey company, that Jerry? That whiskey is Lead Slingers Whiskey. Mm. Lead Slingers, not Lead Singers. What, uh... Recently, not lead singers. Someone, someone asked me. Oh, I thought I always thought it was called lead singers. Like what? Um, you know who? You know who? You know who asked that, Jared? People who can't read. People I, who can't fucking read. Um, yeah. I, I also had someone, someone call it lead slingers, and I was like, "What the fuck is lead?" Come on. They're like, "Well, I just thought that's what it was called." I was like, "Well, it's called lead, also spelled the same way." Lead. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let's like like read whiskey. or red? Which like, yeah, uh, right now ask, ask you you should have asked them, Jared. Do they do they read <laughs> do you, or do they read do the, you the, the, the read label carefully? Or red? <laughs> yeah, do you read or read the, <laughs> the label carefully? It's kind of like that scene in Tommy Boy where they get all fucked up on that, uh, or is it Black Sheep? Uh, Black Sheep, where they get all fucked up on the nitrous, and they're like, "I want to go down the road, the road." <laughs> <laughs> That's such a crazy word, road. And it's, and it's lead slingers. It God is damn it. lead it's, slingers. It's, it's American freedom. It's American bullets. It's lead slingers. We whiskey. had decided about six months into our career of making videos that uh, why are we promoting Jameson when we said out with the green, in with the red, white, and blue. Lead slingers. Yeah. Distilled yeah. and bottled in the state of Oklahoma and distributed to 18 beautiful states of this country. And if it's not inv- available in your state yet, there's a reason for that. It's just, it's paperwork. It's it's mundane. You know, And it's, it's, it's sold all... out. It's Look, it's sold out a lot of goddamn places. I will say that. Yes, it is. It is hard to keep around. A lot of people have a hard time getting lead. It's, it's sold out. It's fucking sold out. I, I was in Texas. Went to get a bottle. Shit was sold out. That's how good it is. It's sold out everywhere you go, pretty much. So we had a complaint from uh, South Carolina that said uh, the, a bunch of their liquor stores said anytime anybody walked into their liquor store and they had lead slingers, they would buy every bottle. Yes, buy every single <laughs> bottle. And, and, and by the way, that's no lie. If, if you knew how many Facebook posts I get a day of people traveling to other states to get lead slingers and saying, oh, I bought every fucking bottle, it, it would alter your fucking mind. Um, and I don't own it. I don't own the goddamn company. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I'm just proud of you guys as a best friend, and uh, but they want it. A super, and, and a I super get it. best friend. You're a super best friend. You, I am. I'm, you, I'm beyond you, a best friend. You, I, it, it was like I was joking. I, I want to say quite a few episodes ago when, when Matt and I were talking about being business owners together, it's like you realize when you really think about it, I talk to you guys three to ten times a day. Easily. Every easily. day. For the last three years of my life. Yeah. Yeah. Like, every single day. I talk to you guys more than I, I, I talk to my wife. Like when it yeah. comes down to like physical yep. phone calls and stuff like that. Like y- you realize like this, it, it is, it's just weird. 
<laughs> yeah. No, no. It, it's gone. It's gone past a, a level. And I kid you about this all the time with Evan. It's gone past a level where it, it's almost sexual where you're like, I, I guess, I guess. You know what I'm saying? Like, Ugh, no, I no, guess. You, you think something's wrong. If you haven't heard from yeah. somebody, it's like, whoa. Did they hey, die? Hey. Yeah. Did they die? Yeah. Are they alive? Up? Did they die? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did we? Was there something on TMZ? Because did I miss something? Did a plane go? Were they on a Malaysia flight? Like where did they go? <laughs> that's, where did they that's fucking a, that's go? That's a drinking bro podcast rule of traveling. Don't fucking it is. fly Malaysia. Don't fly Malaysia. Don't fly Malaysia. That's it. A- simple. And uh, so, yeah. uh, additional to a fine drink, what goes with a good drink, Ross? Is a fucking uh, good read. A good book. A great book. A great book, a book of the champions, a, a book that, that scholars are, are going to one day make it mandatory for, for all of their children to read aloud to their spouses, to their girlfriends, uh, to, to, to their gay lovers if they have that. And that book is called At Night She Cries While He Rides His Steed. It's the first ever romance novel for dudes. It's available everywhere on fucking audible.com. Hardcover, Kindle, every fucking store you can imagine except for Walmart. Uh, it'll change your <laughs> life. It's, it's the funniest Walmart, book due ever. Due to the illustrations. Yeah, it was it was banned in Walmart due to the illustrations. You'll see when you get it. There's there's some nude illustrations of me having sex with women. Whatever. That's life. <laughs> That's what life is. Uh, and, and and the the review on Playboy it was the best review I've still ever gotten. It says, "Do yourself a favor and get this thing as close to your eyeballs as you can because it's hilarious." Thank you, Playboy. You're goddamn the, the correct. The best thing that I can say is it's it it takes place in the 1890s. It's about a cowboy killing and fucking. Yeah, for, uh, actually, two hundred and fifty eight- odd pages. 18, it takes place in the 1840s. You're close. You're really close. <laughs> it's during the gold rush, and there's a, lot of, there's a lot of trading gold for sex with prostitutes. So <laughs> if you need anything more than that in this you, lifetime, you, you I don't know what man. it is. You probably no, are still writing poetry inside hipster bucks. Like, this you, book doesn't pro- belong you're, in you're your life. Probably, yeah, no, it doesn't. You're, you're probably still using a pocket I pussy. Would, I would even say the gay community of men would be turned on by this book just on how manly the main character is. It's just like they would fantasize by the way, about being dominated yes. by a man like that. True story. The gay community is huge on this book, by the way. Really? Um, I, I, yes, yes. I had a, I had a very prominent, I'm not going to say who it is, a gay reviewer from, a, from a, one, of, one of the largest publications we have who read the book and was like, God damn, this is amazing. Like, we need shit like this. Um, and I asked him, by the way, I, and I asked him why. I was like, why this? And he was just like, he goes, you know, the pussification of America wow. is, yeah, is so strong that he's just like, if you don't have something like this to counter the culture, like, everybody, everything is going to shift and everybody, everything is going to become so PC uh, and people are, are just going to be become so mundane and bored and, and and afraid to offend anyone. Where this book offends everyone well, across I, the board. I see that too. I mean, could you imagine like finally deciding like, hey, I I really like dudes, and then when you get out into the dude market, all of them are just a bunch of pansy ass girls. It's like if yeah. I wanted a fucking female, I would have stayed with females. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, and it's like too. By the way, my my. I'm not going to say who this is. Uh, I, I I got a, uh, multiple gay friends. My favorite, though, my favorite of the gays of all time 
is a guy who's just like us, and he's just like, look, man. I just want to. I just want to pound some ass and drink some whiskey. And I'm just like, whoa! The first time I heard it out of his mouth, I was shocked. I was like, wait, what? What did you say? You, like, what kind of look. whiskey do you drink, bro? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. lead sling. Well, I got some lead slingers in the car. Do yeah, you want to use fuck? But but dead serious. Sometimes like, gay dudes just. Want a jacked firefighter over the top of them? I mean, they don't want some yeah. fucking limp-wristed, like, oh, I just wrote a, a really good thesis. Like, get the fuck out of here. Bring in totally. an axe next time. I want you to cut totally. my fucking and, and, door down with an axe. And, and, and you know what he told me? No lie. He was like, look, we're all not Will and Grace. He was like, dude, we can be just like you. He's like, man, I just want, I just want to fuck some butt and drink some whiskey tonight. Like, I don't want to make it a big thing. And uh, and I was like, oh shit! So I asked him. So I asked him. I was like, oh, I was like, all right. I was like, all right. If you're that like, because I was like, dude, you're you're like all the guys I hang out with. And he was like, yeah, dude, I am. And he got, I was like, what's your grossest story? And he told me his grossest gay sex story. And I was like, come on, dude, come on. Doesn't even. And he was like, yeah, yeah. But but and and I'll brief you on it because it's a good one. Um, Obviously, you're not on Grinder anymore. You got married, and we're proud yeah, of you that we yeah. get, you got I'm off Grinder. I'm out. Yeah, yeah you, you got off Grinder. Uh, so he found a guy off Grinder, and it was his first time on Grinder. He wasn't sure how fast it worked, so he was just like, "Oh, you know, yeah, I'll press somebody I like and then figure it out." He goes, he press somebody he likes. He goes to the gym, works out, takes a takes a fucking full healthy shit. He says, and then goes and and tans. He tans afterwards at his gym. It's a lot of sweating. Ah, uh, not a, only is that a lot a of sweating, sweat. That's a shit sweat and a tan sweat. That's three different. All of it. That's three yes. different principles of sweat. A hundred percent. So he get, he gets out of the John Wilkes booth, the tanning booth, and he picks up his phone and he's like, "Oh shit, there, there's a guy that wants to meet and fuck." Um, and so he t- you know he hits the guy back and he's like, "Oh hey, haven't showered, just got out of the gym," and he's like, "No worries, that's what I'm into." And it was like, "Oh Ooh. cool, meet me in my yeah." Meet me in my place. And, he, and the guy was like, no. He had never used Tinder or Grinder before, so he was like, I'll meet you at yours. So he meets him at, at his place. This dude fucking, uh, he, he ends up fucking this dude. The dude fucks him. He's got a shitty ass. He's got a tan on. He's sweating. So they Still, trade. Same socks. They trade? Yeah. Same socks, same oh, boxers, wow. same everything, the same sweats, oh. all of it. And then he bounces and he fucking leaves. And that was the that was the end of his thing. And I was just like, Oh my god! I was like, "That's easily one of the grossest stories that I've ever heard. Grosser than any dude fucking a girl story." You know, like you're you're starting to get close there in that boundary. And he was like, "Yeah, right." And he goes, "You know, I just finished working out and taking a shit." And I was like, "Holy shit!" I true. Like, long story short, gays they're just like us. They're just <laughs> like us. They're That's, fucking disgusting. I'm, I'm shocked and, that they just. It was like it was it was a trait. It was like, all right, we're halfway through. Let's switch. Yeah, <laughs> and sometimes it's not because you like you're you're a movie buff like I am. I don't know yeah. if you saw Behind the Candelabra with Matt Damon and uh, no, Michael I did, Douglas. I did not see that movie. Matt Damon's a bottom the entire movie. He's a power bottom the entire movie. Uh, Michael Douglas is pounding him endlessly oh, God. in one of the scenes. Oh yeah, and it's a super close up. You've shot a you've shot a couple of movies now. You know what a super close up oh, is. Oh, I know. It's a super close up. And then afterwards, like Matt Damon is not happy. They're out in a hot tub together, and he's just like, he, he literally turns to Michael Douglas and he goes, "I I'm tired that that you never let me get to be on top." And you're just like, "Oh no, oh, oh no, 
Yeah, yeah. Oh, dear. And you realize it, it, it is it is really just like us, and the, and the whole fucking thing is uh, it, it's just as crazy as us. So it's like we we can't judge anybody. We can't judge anybody, no, Jimmy John Sherry. No. You know? Yeah. Eat yellow dart. Uh, anyway, no, no. No, there, there's no yellow dart. <laughs> by, by, by the way, by the way, Triple J, what are you drinking tonight? Uh, I'm actually having uh, Deep Eddie's. Deep Eddie Ruby Red mm. Club Soda and some lime. And I'm drinking it out of a giant uh, German, uh, what do you call these, Marty? What are these called? A Stein? A Stein? A Stein, yeah. I it was yeah, gifted, Stein. It was gifted to me by Nathan, the uh the man, the myth, the legend that always uh lets us do our parties uh on Fort Bliss. Nice. At, at by, by the way, huge fan of Deep Eddie. Huge fan of oh, Deep yeah. Eddie. You were the one Austin. that actually introduced me into Deep Eddie. I was, I was and then I it was. was funny because uh after you had you had introduced me to Deep Eddie, I had a bunch of bottles at my house and Evan goes, You know you've talked to that owner before, right? I go, No. He goes, yeah. I gave him, gave gave you his number, and you called. You guys were chatting about this and that like a, a year and a half ago. I was like, I didn't know that guy owned D Betty. You fucking yeah. asshole. Best that that's the best vodka in the land. So so if Lead Slingers is the best whiskey in the land, uh, Deep Eddie to me is the best vodka. And that's in the, the thing. Land. We will we will never we will never enter the vodka space because Deep Eddie's got it. Deep Eddie's and Tito's. I mean, those are Deep Eddie's good. And Deep Tito's. Eddie's good. Tito's is amazing too. T- yeah, T- Tito's Tito's is also good. I, by the way, I, oddly enough, and, and and like this is gonna sound shocking, I am drinking Deep Eddies as well. But you know what I'm drinking that with tonight? Killcliff, Killcliff tonight. <laughs> You're kidding? I switched dead serious. So the uh, one of the owners of Killcliff sent me uh, three cases to my house. Um, I am drinking the. It says the blood orange cover uh, color of uh, Killcliff. Um, and it's uh, 15 calories, three carbs, and it, it, I am I am crushing it right now. It's a great energy drink. It's almost it's better than having a Dude, Red Bull I, vodka. I loved drinking Killcliffs on set. I loved drinking Killcliffs before, and even mixing Killcliff with Lead Slingers is really fucking good. Yeah, yeah, big fan. So so I'm a big fan. That's what I'm killing tonight. You know what else I'm proud of tonight? It's just the two of us. It's a Netflix and chill night, except there's no Netflix, and we definitely aren't chilling. No, it's just, uh, just drinking and hanging. No, tonight I just I just want to find out what the, what the fat bottom girl is like. What what really <laughs> makes her tick? What really makes her tick? Yeah, but you of all What's, people uh, would know that. I, I would, but the audience doesn't know. Like, uh, like you know, for example, like a huge Maxim interview came out um, about Range Fifteen, about the movie. Um, it kind of talked about it, it. Briefly touched on how you're the you're the Svengali, if you will, who put us all together. Um, you, you made this yeah, super group happen. That article really were, made me proud because of the way that the way that he worded it was really nice to me. Like it was just kind of yeah, cool. but 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 it, you know, it's a true story. And, uh, you know, I kind of I kind of wanted to touch on like, you know, tonight who you are, like why you started making videos and why you put this whole group together, because truthfully, there, there would be no drinking bros podcast without you. There would be no range 15 without you. Um, and I, and I kind of want to see what, what, what made you interested in it, how you got started and uh, what what year did you start making videos? I mean, I would say going way back, like my my dad was uh was a skateboarder and a surfboarder a surfer at heart and oh uh, you you were you were like a lords of dogtown kid well he really was like he was around that time frame he grew up in fort bragg california he was skating 
he was skating around Santa Rosa skate park, like in the, the early eighties, late seventies with, with guys like Tony Hawk that were showing up. At no the time. shit. Yeah. I, I, I know he, he does have one story. Uh, I want to say in the late seventies when Tony Hawk showed up to the Santa Rosa park and Tony Hawk was really young. He was, he said he, he was like three years younger than him. So Tony Hawk was around 15. He was 18. Um, wow. And he was, he was a big skateboarder out in, in, in Fort Bragg. Uh, and he went into the Navy at a, at 18. And then, uh, we came around and we lived in, uh, middle California. So just North of San Francisco. Okay. Um, at a little town called Novato. Oh, um, Novato. Is, is that near San Luis Obispo? No. So if you take the Golden Gate out of San Francisco, you hit San Rafael. Then it goes Novato, Petaluma, Rona Park, Santa Rosa. Okay. Um, and then if you if you break right around Petaluma, that's when you hit Napa Valley. Uh, so we gotcha. were right there. See, you were a wine kid, uh, which kinda, explains my, your yeah. My my parents were. I mean they they love we. That, had a that lot explains of your that, preference for the wine. <laughs> yeah, the, the Hillary Duff, the wine. wine now now we're starting to find out who Triple J really is. We always visited you, Napa. I my my sister's godparents lived in Napa. They were they were awesome. So we always went. to How Napa. is it by the way? I've I've never been to Napa. I've always wanted to go. It's really cool. Like uh, I know everybody says it is. It, I lived in LA for 16 years. Never fucking made it to Napa. You, not I, one time. I want you to go with me because it would be fun for all of us to hit San Francisco and then hit Novato because I have a lot of Novato is like a micro Silicon Valley. Uh, if you remember, okay. if you remember that show, the Sci-Fi Channel or something came out with the Robot Wars where they were fighting robots and shit like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was yeah. all based in Novato. And then another. Um, the Mythbusters used to always operate out of uh, Mare Island. The, the they did the military base I, that w- that Clinton closed down in 1994. That's where my dad uh, was yeah. stationed. So I'm going to stop you right there. Did, I did a movie with the Mythbusters. No kidding. Yes, called the Darwin Awards. Oh uh, shit! I still got to watch that. Yeah, it I came out in 2000. I want to say 2008. Uh, they were in it. All of us had a cameo. Uh, it was like Winona Ryder, Juliette Lewis, uh, Joseph Fine, Damn. Juliana Margulies, ton of celebrities, and not that I'm name dropping. I'm Metallica only name dropping. Play music for it. Yes, Metallica was in the movie. Uh, they also played in the movie, and they played our after party at Sundance. Oh, the wow. only reason I'm dropping this many names is because the only person, the only people my mom was impressed by was the MythBusters. <laughs> Everyone else unimpressed. It always it always works like that. Yeah, <laughs> MythBusters super impressed. Like, oh my god, could they really fucking you know blow that's, up a that's, car? That's with, my with, mom yeah. too, though. You know, I I send her a photo of me and Channing Tatum, but then I show her us hanging out with the Scorpions. You know the Scorpions. <laughs> <laughs> so yes. um, anyway, like I remember as a kid, my dad my dad had built. Uh, a nice quarter pipe for the neighbor kids. Like uh, the neighbor, the neighbors paid him and he, and he right. built this, this beautiful quarter pipe. And then they ended up moving it out to the airfield on Hamilton air force base. Cause that's where we lived, uh, which was a world war two air force base that was decommissioned and they had military housing on there. So he moved that quarter pipe out and they ended up building a, a half pipe out on the uh, runway. And, Tons of oh, wow. old school skaters would be out there. I remember him taking me out there and just seeing 
guys with flat tail boards. I mean, that's that's what it was then. Yeah. Uh, just ripping it up. And then I want to say around 92, 93, they built an X game size vert, vert ramp on that base. And he would take me there and he would shred up and I would just watch and that's fucking crazy. Sit on so, a skateboard so, and, and go up and down and stuff and just watch him freaking shred it up. And it was super cool. Well, then there was like a gap. What, was he, by the, by the way, was he filming? No, or, no, or, no, sh- not or a, shooting pictures or yet. video or anything. No, no, okay. no. This was all just this was all just sport at that point. So then we move. Uh, Clinton during the BRAC closes um, Mare Island and it transfers all the Navy subs from Mare Island up to the Pacific Northwest, which is Subbase Banger in Silverdale, Washington. So we moved to this little place called Island Lake in Silverdale, and uh, we get there. I want to say there was probably. A four because I was ten years old, so probably a four year gap uh, where where we were into dirt biking. Uh, he bought he bought himself a XR two fifty and he got us dirt bikes. So me and my brother uh, were doing dirt bike stuff. And then I want to say around the time I was fourteen fifteen, we picked up a skateboard again, and then it was on. And he, the second that that I had a skateboard, all of a sudden he was motivated again, and he built us a rad quarter pipe in the. Uh, in the garage to the point where all the neighborhood kids flocked to our yard because it was like, dude, you guys got a, you guys got a freaking next level quarter pipe in here. None of us, none of us have that. So we would all skate there. Uh, and then that eventually turned into, he built us a rad half pipe. I want to say by the time I was 15, put a bunch of railroad ties down on the property and built a, a fucking sick half pipe. And that's fucking awesome. And, uh, when when I was in ninth grade is when I had first that's when uh this this video series called four one one video magazine was coming out at Zoomies skate uh Zoomies, the skate shops in the mall and stuff like that. Started buying that, started realizing, okay, everybody that's a skateboarder makes a skate video. So I need a camera. So I borrow obviously my parents' camera and we start filming uh all the guys in the neighborhood that are doing cool skateboard stuff. And, and what, what what kind of camera was that, by the I, way? I want to say it it was a high eight, so okay. it was an eight millimeter. Uh, yeah, and it, I mean you're still looking at a four three cut on that, and it's at standard definition. Like, yeah, but that, a, that's still, that, like that's a big that that's a big deal. Yeah, that's a big deal though. Yeah, <laughs> but we it had is. one. We had we had a yeah. Camera. I know. I know. That's, that's a big. that's a big deal though at the um, time. Yeah. So moving moving on, it got to the point where hey. We had filled all these tapes full of skateboard tricks. What are we going to do with them? But at that time, there was just nothing available to the consumer to edit and stuff. The only the only editing software that existed at that time was Avid. And the only, uh. the only place that had an Avid machine was the high school. And I was in junior high at the time. So I approached the high school. I went to the principal. I asked if we could create a video club for people that were shooting and making videos. They said, yes, they put me in touch with the visual communications teacher who I then again had to pitch my pitch saying, Hey, we're shooting videos. Can we use the machines to edit? And then the official North Kitsap video club was created. And at first for the first, I want to say two months, it was just me and our guys there 
editing our skate video. And the the first yeah, skate video because hey, Avid Avid takes a long goddamn time to oh edit on it. You got to transcode it's, it. You got to transcode it first. You've got to yeah. you got to import everything. So we had to uh, go through. It takes hours. It takes fucking hours. All the tapes, but even then, hard drives weren't big enough to to archive no. this stuff. No, so you had nothing to, was. You had to know your specific in and out points before you even imported because uh, you didn't have enough hard drive space to do this. That sounds like my, my fucking worst nightmare, <laughs> by the way. My worst nightmare as a director is that right there. Oh, it, it's funny because you look back on it now, it was like, God, that was we, we jumped through hoops to make one video. Um, yeah. The first skate video we ever cut was to the song by SR71. Uh, I don't. Do you know? You remember the name of it? It's it's their biggest song. It's the she clings to me like cellophane, fake plastic submarine. Sort of <laughs> And how old were you? I, I want to say I was you? 14, 14 or fifteen. Uh, wow. So so for, so at fourteen or fifteen, you knew you wanted to do this. You had a dream to do this. Did you ever? Did you ever think that 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 passion? That's that drive to to understand video and filmmaking would lead to a movie that you're that you're doing now. Yes and no. Like I was realistic then. Like I knew that I wanted to do creative stuff in video, but honestly, even even fast forwarding 10, 15 years in 2008, my my highest goals was to just be a gaffer on a film. Like Really? Yeah, yeah. It was it was like I would have been happy to to be setting up lights and doing things on a feature. Like and that was 2008. So we'll 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 definitely jump forward. I I ended up editing three films before I graduated high school and and they were they were literally just skate videos because we were huge fans of Bam Margera before the whole explosion of Jackass and everything like that. Right. Huge fans of of Birdhouse and Tony Hawk, Jump Off a Building, Bucky Lasik, who I've got to fucking hang out with now, like and ride in a car with, like which is insane <laughs> to me. Because yeah. I remember I, I remember, you know, watching his part in Birdhouse the Birdhouse film, uh The End, which was amazing. Uh another thing too, on a on a quick tangent when we were dirt, we were, we were still dirt biking during this whole thing, my dad and my brother and I, and one of the big dirt bike movies when I was 15 was called Terrifima 2. And it was, it was the Honda sponsored video. It had a Jeremy, Jeremy McGrath was the biggest fucking supercross rider ever known to man. And in that video, Travis Pastrana did a rhythm section or, or not, a, but a, but a motocross track with Ezra Lusk. And I, my dad took me the day Terrifima 2 came out on VHS. We went to the motorcycle shop and we bought that movie. We went home and we both watched it together. And I remember watching Travis Pastrana because he was he was 13 years old. He was two years younger than me. So it was like, right. holy shit, this kid is so good. And fast forward to now, and we're friends with Travis Pastrana. It's like when I when I had hung out with Travis, I had told him that. I said, dude, when I was when I was a kid, I watched you in Terrifima 2. And he looks at me, he goes, out of everyone I've met, you're the only motherfucker that has ever brought up that fucking movie. Ever. <laughs> ever, ever in the history of man. Because that's what you do. You bring up the obscure <laughs> fucking movies that no one, no. 
It's it's like what's your favorite Hillary Duff movie? Oh, the one where she's an Iranian fucking pop star. War like, Inc. Come on, my friend. Jared. War Inc. It's a good film. God thing. damn it. Watch it. God damn it. So, so so all right, getting back on track then, what makes you join the military knowing that you probably found your life passion at 14 years old? I I I always knew I wanted to join the military. And if you look I I have some embarrassing photos in yearbooks with quotes. I want to say there's an 8th grade photo of me with a quote that says what do you want to do what what is your passion for life and it says i want to be a navy seal and join seal team six. <laughs> oh wow I was wow just, that's ambitious I was a huge gun guy as a kid you know we played guns i i would build guns out of wood like i always wanted uh an m16 like i never i never had one so i would i my dad helped me build my own m16 replica out of wood and we would go out in the yard in because we had we had a half an acre and it was woods and everything like that so we would play army in the yard all the fucking time with the camouflage that we would get at a surplus store and things like that so and he he was military too right yeah he was he was navy yeah yeah um so as we as i got older i get i get i'm 17 years old and my dad gets orders to italy and they essentially tell me, hey, you know, you can't really go to college over there and you can't really have a job like you could do online school. But this is 2002. It's not really developed at that point. Like, so that doesn't that doesn't mean shit. It's just like, but you can't hold a job in Italy because you're an American citizen. So what do you want to do? And at that point, I was like, I there's no way in my, my thought process was there's no way I'm going to go over to Italy and just waste four years of my life from being 17 to 22 or 21, like, and not be building something or contributing to something. I'm like, I'm going in. And my dad says, well, the only service that I'll sign for is the air force. And I was like, fuck. So we, why, 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 but why the air force? Because my dad, my dad at that point knew that the air force took care of their people. Like they, they are the, they are the best service that kind of caters to, the men and women that are in the service where and you and you probably won't like you have a less chance of of getting killed yeah right yeah, yeah. Is, that, is that saying that correctly okay. yeah absolutely i mean uh 2001 had happened 9-11 had happened uh okay i i remember that day fucking vividly because i'd walked down the stairs my dad was on the only computer in the house uh that was plugged into aol dial up and like oh a plane hit a building in new york I was like, oh, shit. I get on the bus. We go to school. I was in Viz- VizCom. The the video class was my first period class in high school. And we, wow. were, we were all watching it when the second plane hit. And uh, it was just like, oh, shit. And, and no one knew what was happening at that point. Like, it was very no, yeah, it was yeah, a yeah, very yeah, confusing absolutely. time. Uh, yeah. But school got let out right after that, like, by 11 o'clock. School was out. The buses were there. My mom picked us up, but we sat for close to 10 hours because we lived on base at that time. So we get the fuck out of here. We sat in this line for 10 out. Like we didn't, we didn't get on base until late that night. And, and they were, they were, they were searching every single vehicle that came through the gate, even though everyone that worked on base was recalled. So there was, it was backed up on highway five. Like, 
I mean, miles upon. Yeah, miles. but 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 I will I will say this though: the, the panic at that time was, was no one such knew. That no one. Knew no one knew. Yeah, at all. So you, you you didn't really have a choice as to to say, all right, cool, we're, we're going to go through whatever protocol you want to go through. Nothing like this has happened to us before, except you know probably Pearl Harbor, where it was like, all right, we don't know what to do. We're going to go through this protocol, and then yeah, you can go back and see your family at that point. So I was um, a I was a I was a sophomore at the time, and then okay. I finished that year. I go into my junior year, and halfway through my junior year, I had a I had a uh, a nasty breakup with the the longtime girlfriend that I had, and I was kind of I was kind of over high school. Like, why why the fuck do I even go to this? This is really dumb because that's right. just how my thought process is always. Like, why? Yeah, but why? Every, every, everybody goes through that. Yeah. Though. Everybody goes through so that. So I start researching, and I realize that the state of Washington only requires 17 credits to graduate. And I look at my transcript, and I have 23. I'm like, this is, this is the beginning of my junior year. Why the, what the fuck am I doing here? So I go to a counselor. She says the only two required classes that you need to have a diploma is – uh, an English and, and something else. So I sign up for those. I drop out of the rest of high school and I, I enroll into the community college because in order for you to apply for an adult diploma, what they call it in the state of Washington, you have to be uh, enrolled in a community college. So I take volleyball, which was uh, awesome. Who doesn't? So yeah, I everybody do, takes volleyball. I would do two periods at my high school. I would drive to Bremerton and go to Olympic community college and go to volleyball and then once that was all over uh december of 2002 a girl in a ford a black ford explorer delivered my diploma from the state of washington yes she did yes she did <laughs> and delivered once i it with her mouth once her i mouth. had that diploma in hand my dad and i ran into the recruiting office said i'm i'm graduated let's go they signed me up for the air force i was supposed to be a bomb loader it was a two okay Two W zero X one. It was munitions systems apprentice. So I was supposed to load bombs or uh, work on munition systems for aircraft. I was not happy with this, so I ship off to basic. I'm in basic. I'm still like kind of miserable because again, at this time, it's like I want to do something cool. That's all I ever want to do. Like I want to right and. Uh, the, this guy comes in and starts talking about being a seer instructor and how you can you can be a survival a survival instructor. I'm like, ah, that sounds cool. So we go to their briefing. It was kind of gay because they talked about how you're just a teacher for your whole career and you're never going to deploy to combat. I was fuck that. Let's go. And I, I leave. Right. And I walk in directly into this briefing with this guy wearing BDUs, but he's got army patches on his arm. He's got all the cool schools on his chest. He's got halo wings. He's got jump wings. And then he's got fucking special forces patches on his arms. Like, what the fuck is this? And this guy starts talking about calling in airstrikes and lasers and how awesome it is. And uh, oh, I'm like, oh, fuck yes, I'm in. So I put my name in the hat uh, to, to try out for this, go to the tryouts. Uh, they said only three guys will have school slots. There was around 100 and... 110 of us that showed up to try out that day. And then we won't be notified until X day in basic training. If you got the school slot, well, I had saved my appointment slip in basic training to go to that tryout. And 
I hit it in my locker because you're in basic training. You got a drill instructor over your ass all the time. And the day that he had said we would be notified if we had made it into the TACP schoolhouse, I walked up to my drill instructor that morning like, hey, I got to go do TACP stuff um, down the way. And he, he didn't even look at the slip. He's like, yeah, go. So long story short, I show up at the MPF. I'm waiting, waiting for them. This, the, this clerk asked me, hey, what are you waiting for? And I said, I'm waiting for the TACP instructors. They eventually call them. The TACP guys show up like, hey, what the fuck are you doing here? And I'm like, dude, I, I, I couldn't wait any longer. I needed to know if I made it into TACP. And he's like, yeah, you did. <laughs> and I was like, fuck yes. So I took the paper <laughs> and let, like, like, and, and they were still confused, like, why I was just on this other end of base waiting for them. Uh, <laughs> they were like, what are you doing here? Why are you asking me questions? You don't do anything. You're in fucking basic training. So I get my chance to go to TACP school. Uh, I end up doing a lot better than I thought I would, and I get a slot to Airborne School, which if you graduate at the top of your class at TACP School, you get to go to Airborne and you go to Fort Bragg. And I went to the 14th ASOS, which was fucking pinnacle in my TACP career. Yeah, so, look at you. I was, I was super stoked about that. Those guys, those guys were a bunch of hard motherfuckers that are real fucking warriors that just beat the fuck out of me forever. Until they got a fraction of a man out of me, and then I was one of them. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and by the way, to to that point, I've read a couple articles this week on hazing. Um, can, can you can you explain to the audience what hazing meant to you and why it's important? Well, the thing is, is hazing is mislabeled. Like, uh, what happens is, is you get guys that should have never been there, or should never be part of the club, or should never. They just don't have what it takes to, to kind of operate. I wouldn't say operate, but function on a combat level when stress is super high, and they make excuses. They make excuse after excuse after excuse because they're not at that level. So when I wrote that article for Havoc Journal recently, that said it's entitled "Hazing." That thing you called hazing made me the man I am today. And what yeah. I, what I'm explaining is that. To congressmen and higher-ups in the military, they just label physical distress and physical punishment as hazing when that's not it at all. Like, my job is to be able to accurately control and coordinate airstrikes under the most heinous stress that a human can endure. And that's in the middle of a firefight, in the middle of combat. I cannot hide on a on a undercover and just wait it out like i have to be punching in numbers finding grids finding where the enemy is talking to aerial platforms and it's not it's not just one set of aircraft i could be talking to four to five sets of aircraft whether it's helicopters uavs uh fixed wing assets or or light isr platforms like so what those guys put me through in the beginning years, I think, led me to my success later on. Because was I, there any fucked up shit though? No. Was there any? Was I mean, there any? Was there any wet balls to the face? No, no, no. It was never anything fucking creepy. It was always just really hard. They were really mean. They were really hard. They hated. They they made you think you were garbage. But that was good because you were garbage at that point. You were not part. You don't just walk in to a place like that and immediately become part of the team. 
You gotta right. earn. You gotta earn your keep. And yeah, as a young kid, earn your stripes, they, as they say in the they biz. They freaking pushed me until I. There was one day I was crying like a baby, and I just thought, like, I will never be able to be one of you guys. I'll never join this. But uh, this guy comes out. His name's Delorean Sheridan. He's a Silver Star recipient right now. Like, okay, one of, he, he he is a hero, a national hero. This guy, but this is before he had earned that. He walked out. He goes, look. Pick yourself up, get ready for the next wave, because all this is is a test for you to be here. And if you want to be here, you're going to pass the test. And keep that in your mind every time this shit goes down. And that, like, all of a sudden I was, I was ready, and I was like, fuck, you just motivated me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I brag about that because it's cool now because DeLorean is a decorated war hero. He's won the Saijon Award. I mean, he's a very, very well-known person in the, in the Air Force because he's done a lot for, for the service and the country. Like, so it's really cool that he was the one that came out and was like, hey, fuckface, figure your shit out. <laughs> you want to be here? That's awesome. So That's awesome. So, so, so by, by the way, when you finish... I don't want to say finish because you're still in the military and you still serve. But what 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 year do you decide? Like, hey, I want to come out and and start trying to do this for a living. Well, I started. Uh, I was always editing. I was always I was always looking at stuff and 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 kind of learning things. So I was editing cool videos for the unit because we were doing a lot of cool shit that was never put on film. And cool, right? And they asked you, did, hey, did they? Did they ask you to do that? No, no, no. I mean, I, I just said, hey, I know how to film and I know how to edit. And they were like, fucking cool, because we need to do a sweet uh, either like an air show display or anything like that. So I took lead on all that stuff. Uh, I was one of That's the, great. I was one of the first guys to have a helmet cam because my roommate uh, had bought one and let me use it. And it was one of the first helmet cams that had came out that had like 60 wires that went into a video camera itself that you had to have in a bag recording uh, and I broke it on a TDY. The first time I ever used it, I broke it. Of Which course you did. On a helicopter. Of course you did. On a helicopter infill. Infill. But we got really good footage. Um, so <laughs> fast forward. And, I and by the way, anybody who doesn't know you outside of uh, outside of uh, Drinking Bros, Jared is all about getting the footage. As long as you get the shot, Jared's good. Jared is good, no That's matter it. what happens. I got it in my head. Uh, and to this day, <laughs> we still use that shit. Yeah. So. Uh, 2008, I get picked up to be an instructor at the TACP schoolhouse, which I'm super excited for because that's kind of like a, to me, that was a pristine thing that I got selected to be, to teach. Um, yeah, well, I mean, right I mean then, here you are, here you yeah. are, you know, learning from these people, getting hazed by people. And now, now they're asking you to teach and be a mentor to people. Like that's got to be a big deal, right? It, it really was for me. Like I could not believe it was huge that, that I had gotten selected because it was pretty competitive back then. Uh, and it, it probably still is, I'm sure. I'm not going to take anything away from the guys that are getting selected now. But it was. It, but you're, pro- you're probably better, though, Jared. You're probably better. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> right then, I had reenlisted for the first time, which at that time, we had a $90,000 reenlistment bonus. So you reenlist, boom. Wow. 90K. Yeah, boom. Um, I 90k buys a lot of shit. Oh, by the way, that buys a lot of 2008. That's a lot of wobbles. dude. Because because you probably everybody's got a kid at that point. They probably got a house in Ohio to pay for. <laughs> 90k is like oh shit. 
I'm good to go. Yeah, like I, I can pass this. Yeah. But meanwhile, I'm just like I'm going to spend most of it on production equipment. I bought a full HD camera with Sony FX7. I bought. Yeah, my, I remember. My, I remember that. I remember that. My first Mac. My first iMac. I bought the Final Cut. Your Macintosh, your first Macintosh. I bought Final Cut Pro uh, 7.5 Suite, the Final Cut Pro 2 Suite. Oh, that Suite uh, was expensive. Tell me, how, how much was that? That was expensive. Or, no, it was 2800 Yeah, 2, that was a big boy total. That. And then I bought Dude. the Magic Bullet plug-in series, which was around 1800 too, because I wanted to learn how to color and everything like that. Yeah, you weren't fucking around. You were playing for keeps. Um, that's, about a four, that's about a four grand piece right there. <laughs> Yeah, and then the computer. But I have to get a shout-out to Marlon Castro, who worked for Pixar at the time. And Pixar was owned by Apple. So Marlon had a, a one, one – every year he got 50% off of a purchase. And he gave that 50% off to me and let me build a machine and purchase it. Wow. That's awesome. So That is awesome. So that was your first rig. Yeah. That was your first full rig where you were like, all right, I'm ready to do shit, and I'm doing this for real. What's going to happen? At that point, I had all this equipment, I, I, and I started using it for the better of our career field because we had, no, we had nothing as far as recruiting materials at that time. No one knew what we did. I mean, as, right. a, as a TACP or a JTAC, like, you always had to do a 10-minute explanation any time anybody ever asked you what you did. So I started filming stuff at the schoolhouse. I had done a, I'd created a YouTube channel uh, called Cleared Hot Production. And uh, the first video I had put out was a preview for the Hawk 7-9 class video. And then I put out the Hawk 7-9 class video. So I filmed students from start to finish on the big camera, you know, full HD, everything. Sure. And, and, and let me ask you, what, what was the millets? Were they cool with it? Or oh, not? absolutely. Like, because oh, career field wise, we are a minority. There's only at any given time, there's between 900 and 1400 of us that exist. So we just the Air Force does not put money to a, a force that small. So you don't get a lot of attention. So it was, uh, you know, I was the only one that was putting out stuff that really was educational about the career field. Um. So shortly after that, I had filmed a schoolhouse overview, which had never been done before. No one. So now you can search online and say, OK, what is the TACP schoolhouse about? And this, uh, you know, looking back on it now, it's like, God, I, I could have done way better than that. But I didn't know at that point. Um, early in 2008, I had uh, I was I had the, I had like five giant books about Final Cut and I was learning editing. I was learning shooting and everything. And. I watched this interview with Quentin Tarantino at a Comic-Con. And this guy asked this question. To I know that interview, by the way. I love that interview. He, he says, yeah, this, yeah, this yeah. guy looks at Quentin and he goes, what is your direct advice to anybody that would love to be in the position that you're in right now? And Quentin goes, he looks at him and he doesn't bullshit. He just goes, shoot. And the yeah. crowd's silent. And then he goes, if you're not picking up a camera and shooting every day, you're not getting better. If you're one of those people that make all those excuses that says, I'm waiting for the, the best script, I'm waiting for a better lighting guy, I'm waiting for better sound, I'm waiting for any of this, he goes, that doesn't mean you're getting better. You're just sitting around. Yeah. Shoot every I, day. 100% true. Every I, day. I, I, <laughs> and to, by the way, to this day, that is, that is 100% true. 
he tells that same story and he doesn't really help anybody and not not in an asshole way but he's just like look if you want it bad enough go shoot shoot your own shit do your own shit yeah. and so it's like for me personally like you know i i've gotten this question a lot in my career of like oh why didn't why weren't you in an adam sandler movie or a will ferrell movie or something like that it was like look or a judd apatow movie they didn't hire me you know, you can only audition for five lines or whatever it was. They didn't hire me. Did I bitch about it? No. I just went and shot my own shit. Like, I don't fucking care. I don't care about them. I don't think about them. Like, And who cares best, at that point? What's more exactly. fulfilling to you? And, and, and the best, by the way, don't. Like, you go and shoot your own shit. You make your own shit. You don't make excuses about it. Don't make excu- excuses about uh, comedy, diversity, looks, Race, color, whatever. The, the, Se- sexism, the ageism. Truth shoot, shoot your own shit. Is, if you shoot your own shit, you will never have to answer any of those questions. And, and, and the hard truth is what we have at our fingertips for under $500 as far as camera and editing are 40 times what guys like Robert Rodriguez had years ago. Oh, a hundred percent. Like, uh, like uh, if you look at if you if you look at the uh, the the Independent Spirit Awards, that was just you know right before the Oscars last month. Uh, one, one of the movies who won the most awards was a movie called Tangerine that was shot all on an iPhone. And it's like if you're gonna bitch about why you can't do X, Y, and Z, this is a, a transgender movie with African Americans that was shot on an iPhone. Don't bitch about diversity and everything else. Like, go and shoot your own shit. It's all available to you. But your iPhone right now, coupled with a simple video editing app, is more powerful than anything those guys had access to 15 years ago. Absolutely. They they had to cut it and shoot it on film, <laughs> yes. which was a nightmare, so it's and like, then process it. And anybody that makes excuses at this yeah. point is just not performing. I know, I know. And, and and by the way, I think this is part of the reason why at Rodriguez Robert Rodriguez has not tweeted me back for for me wanting to write Machete in Space. Uh, it's because he's probably like, ah, just go shoot yourself. Was like, look, this is the one. Fucking thing. I can't shoot my shelf at Rodriguez. So everybody still keep tweeting at Rodriguez because I, I still want to shoot that for him. You own the franchise. I can't do anything about that. Everything else I can shoot on my own. Two Wheels of Loneliness about a gay mo- motorcycle gang. Two Wheels of Loneliness. Yeah. That you know we're dying to shoot. We can shoot that on our own. I, I can't shoot Machete Kills Again in Space because you own that franchise, Robert Rodriguez. Uh, and don't think I'm going to start tw- stop tweeting you. It's been it's been a hundred days. I'm still going to tweet at Rodriguez to write that goddamn thing. <laughs> but uh, y- you're right. There is no excuse anymore. Like you can go out and do this shit on your own. You can you've fucking got, make it got work. Got yeah, fourteen, fifteen year old kids that are getting millions upon millions of followers because they just fucking shoot on their phone. Yeah, yeah, and and, and that's it. And they and they can not only shoot it but promote it. Advertise it on Facebook. Like fourteen to fifteen year olds are doing it. You can go out and do it. Um, so, so after two thousand eight, how did you link up with Matt Best and and uh, and Vincent Vargas and the guys? So for four years strong, I was just I was doing anything, anything and anything I could get my hands into. Um, Which you should, you should. You by know, the way. you know as well as anybody, I am a leech when it comes to if you have talent. You're now invited to my house, and I want to know everything about it. So I made friends with all the major photographers, all the major graphic artists, everybody that was in my city. They now became my best friend, and I want to know everything that they had to offer. 
Like, teach me that. Teach me that. Like, I learned photography from my roommate, Dave Reardon, Goat, uh, Gary Stevens, guy that did all of our posters, uh, Chasen Grishop, and um, Chris Visual. Got all, all big names in uh, Pensacola and Gulf Breeze and Navarre area. Because what I did was... I found who were the big names in the area and then said, oh, we should hang out. I've got a bunch of cool guns and gear and shit. What do you think? And that- well, hey, but by the way, which is smart because that's what everybody should do. We get a lot of emails to the podcast and to our personal pages about, oh, hey, how do I start a company like Article 15 and do this? Exactly what you're doing is what you should be doing on your own. And like you didn't ask for anybody's help. I I remember sitting in my bedroom because at the time my bedroom was my office as well. And I had come across. Uh, it always is, by the way. A Facebook it always is. Page. Your, your first office is always your bedroom. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah. And and I had come across a Facebook page called Funker Five Thirty. It had eight thousand followers. I thought that was massive, massive to me. Yeah. Oh my god, these guys. This is right when Facebook pages just started. Like, page, sure. Pages was a new a new addition to Facebook. And I sent a message. I just said, hey. You guys need a logo? Dude emails me back right away like, actually, yeah, we do. And now I'm talking to him. I'm like, well, fuck. All right, let me, let me try this. You know, I'm, I've been dabbing in Photoshop. I watch Photoshop tutorials all day. I was a huge, I was huge into Film Riot. I was huge into Freddie Wong at the time. Uh, I was a big follower of Whitest Kids You Know and Good Neighbor and Final Cut King. Like all these people, I watched everything they put out the second they put it out. Uh, video, co- yeah. video co-pilot, Andrew Kramer. Like to this day, if we ever accept an award for Range Fifteen, I will give credit to uh, Film Riot and Andrew Kramer and all these guys that essentially made me think that it was possible to do this shit. And uh, so I made this logo for Funker, and we went back and forth. You know, I still have the original logo that you could see the first round that I did. We changed it, and then Gary Stevens jumped in with me once I kind of had the concept down. And then that was the Funker logo. And shortly after that, Funker blew up. But blowing up back then was around 50,000 followers. It was like, oh, shit, these guys are massive. Yeah, And and I was part of a couple others at that time because I was just sending messages out to people that were getting popular saying, hey, do you want good graphics? Do you want good imagery? Because we can take photos, we can we can do logos, we can do this. Everyone was saying absolutely yes, yes, we want we want that stuff. So I just was giving it out for free. Hey, take it, take it. You now owe me a favor. Um, well, come but, around. But, but, hey, by the way, that that's what you have to do though. All of this shit has to start for free at the beginning, and this is what I think a, a lot of new you know entrepreneurs miss out on is oh i can't do this for free this isn't worth for free my time isn't for free whatever no all your time is fucking for free once at the beginning yeah, once it you're is, starting it is time all is free. for fucking free yeah the first two or three years your time is for free you got to get your foot in the door you've got to get your name out you've there gotta it get is credentials. all for fucking free you gotta yes. get credentials yes. behind you yes um well about seven nine seven to nine months later all of a sudden, all these people that I was doing things for were huge. You had Girls for Gunslingers was over 150,000 followers. You had 
big fake titties, guns, and manly shit that'll piss your girlfriend off was close to 200,000 followers. You had Funker was close to 200,000 followers. Uh, guns and Tactics magazine. Everybody was growing at that time. And these were all the, peoples that, all the people that I had found in the early stages saying, uh, saying, hey, let me do something for you. I'll do anything. I, here's my skills. I'm offering them because I just want to be a part of it. So I get PCS to Fort Bliss, Texas. I'm still active duty. That was my duty station after being an instructor at Herbert Field. And I enter the seventh ASOS. Uh, I move in with one of my best friends, Mike Haytack. I live in his house today. This is, he owns this house. Um, he was about Get to- Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah. I got to live with my best friend for fucking eight months. That's awesome. Uh, That's I, awesome. I, he was, yeah, not to mention, he was a fucking hero uh, within our career field. Like, he, he was so well known with, within the TACP community because of some of the things that he had done. Like, he was a big name. And then- for for us to live together, it was super cool because at that time, Caitlin was still living in New Jersey um, before she had moved out. And it was him and I, and, and he was about to retire after 20 years of service, and he was trying to figure out what he wanted to do. And he really wanted to do tests and evaluation of tactical equipment. And I was like, I, 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 sat, I sat him down and I was like, look, here's how you get the edge on everybody else that's doing that. Become a media guy. If you can take photos and video and edit all this stuff, you now are well beyond anyone out there that's offering test and evaluation of equipment. Because not only can you test and evaluate it from a subject matter expert uh, point where you know what this stuff does in combat, but now you can produce a quality video or a quality photo that will show what this does. Um, So we started this uh, series called Gear and Tactics. And that's how we met Pilot X was gear and tat. We were looking. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, wow. So I had showed up to work um, with some brochures on helicopter rentals in El Paso uh, because Mike at the time was about to do a video on um, a folding stop stock adapter that folded uh, AR stocks. Uh, so I was like, dude, it would be perfect if we rented a helicopter cause you could show what it's like to have a low profile AR platform with this f- folding stock adapter on. And when you exit the helicopter, you can unfold it. And now you have your, your full rifle. Um, so yeah. we call this, this helicopter rental agency, the, we meet with the female that's in charge of it. And she says, ah, you know, I lease my helicopters. The owners won't allow Guns in them, but I've got a guy that I think this will be right up the alley. And she sets up a meeting with us in Pilot X. And the day we meet him, he opens that hangar, and there is 964, the green little bird. And he's like, well, this is my helicopter. It's just mine. I own it. We could do whatever we want. I love guns. I have hundreds of guns. Pilot X's gun collection, by the way, is beyond anything anyone will ever understand like it he has stuff that there are only three of them in the united states and he has one uh so he was so stoked to meet us and we fast forward we end up shooting this video it's super super fucking cool alex miller was part of that video series who was one of the filmers on the documentary behind range 15 ross you know alex 
Uh, yep. Alex, yeah. Love Alex. Alex also makes all of our serious videos. Um, and, and then we kind of moved on from that. Well, I was coming out of work one day and I was a manager slash admin on a bunch of different Facebook pages that were massive, like 200,000 to 300,000 followers. Uh, I had worked myself so far into the depth of everything. Everybody was kind of letting me be a part of it. Like, oh, this guy's making us good graphics. He's making us timeline covers. He's doing all this stuff. Uh, so yeah, yeah. Learn, learn the wickets of Facebook. And this is very early Facebook science too. Um, and as I'm coming out one day, I see this message come in from Matt Bess that says, Hey, I'm a second back ranger. Could you share this video? And I watched the video and it's really fucking funny and it's really good. He has amazing camera presence because me coming from video background, Someone that could speak clearly and, 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 and continually be funny on camera is like, oh, shit, this guy's good. Um, yeah. So I ask him a couple I – go, I go, oh, you're a ranger? What battalion? And he goes, second bat. And then he sends me his service photo. He goes, if you need proof. And it's the photo of him in ACUs and his tan beret with his crossed arms. Shut yeah. the fuck up. <laughs> I still have the screenshots of this convo. <laughs> <laughs> and I go, I, I, well, immedi- immediately when he said second bat, I was like, okay, because that's how he responded was 2BN. Like, if someone responds with 2BN, like, I'm not going to question that because he fucking, he knows what he's talking about at this point. Like, all right, all right good. And, and I send him my phone number and I go, hey, call me right now. And I click on his profile to go look more about him. I realize we're already Facebook friends. And what had happened was is wow. like nine months earlier, a dude from Second Bat had done a joint Facebook message and said, hey, you like video, you like video, you guys should know each other and be Facebook friends. We added each other and then never thought about it again. So we were already Facebook friends. No shit. <laughs> yeah, it's really fucking weird. Uh, I get on the phone and I, I go, look, dude, Fly down here to El Paso. I got a photo studio. We'll do professional photos. We'll we'll make a logo. We'll get everything rolling because I think this is going to do really, really well. But what I want to happen is once we push it out, I want people, I want a place where they can stick to where they think like, oh, who is this guy? Why don't I know about him yet? So let's make you your whole persona online. And he's like, fuck yeah, let's go. So he flies out. We do all the photos. We film three videos while he's here. Um, and, I mean, I remember sitting in the, the same office you've been in, Ross. Matt and I celebrated the first 1,000 likes on his fan page. <laughs> yeah. 1,000 is a big number. 1,000. Like, that at the a, time. That was... Yeah. <laughs> that was... Because, like, like I'll, I'll, put, I'll put it this way. Because, you know, obviously, like, I, I was super late to social media. Uh, you, you guys know this story. Um, when I was coming up, you know, starring in all these movies, every every publicist I had was like, don't do social media. Keep everything in, in your life private. Don't ever let the public know about your shit. It right. makes you more mysterious. It, it'll get you better roles, whatever. And then about 2011, that changed. Um, and then even, you know, Range 15, I just got a fan page for, you know, Ross Patterson uh, on Facebook Maybe three months ago, 
and and I'm a, I'm at about three thousand likes now. I can't imagine what it's like for you know Matt. It's six hundred thousand likes now. Where you're like, what the fuck? He's is verified. He's close to seven hundred thousand. Matt currently is the number three most popular military veteran in the world. Like that's crazy. Um, who are the two? Who are the two above the him? Two just above for reference, are Marcus Luttrell and Arlie Ermey. Holy shit! Yeah. So and we and, and, which, and hey, which he we, we know both of them obviously. Yeah, he will yeah. take Marcus is great. We love Marcus. Arlie Ermey. Marcus Marcus off. is the greatest human alive. Yeah. Uh, Marcus is the greatest human alive. Matt will never overtake him. Arlie Army, though, I, uh, we have our own story. If you want to say what that is, I'm nah, fine. Yeah, it, we'll, we'll go down that road later. Like, okay, we, we don't want that to ruin ruin today's vibe. But no, nah, uh, let's not let, let's not have it sully so, today's shit. But um, uh, yeah, we were at the time when Matt had come to El Paso. I had a company called Beer Drinking Bomb Droppers, and it was for JTACs. It was for guys that called in airstrikes. It was small, like. Yeah, me, I was partnered with combat controller, retired retired uh, senior master sergeant by the name of Steve Behrens. Amazing fucking guy. Everybody loves him. Uh, and it was, you know, we were doing we were doing two to 4000 a month, just shirts here and there, but still with costs and stuff like that. We got an extra couple hundred bucks and everything. And I, But what I had learned is I had learned the production process for getting – Merchandise, T-shirts, passage. yeah. But by the way, which is difficult. It's really, really yeah, difficult. Because I had interviewed 35, 35 T-shirt companies before I chose the one I did, and the reason why I chose Terminus was because when I spoke to them on the phone, I said, "Look, I, I am fast-paced. I will have ideas like out of the blue, and they will be amazing. But I need someone that will keep up, keep up with me." And my account manager goes, here's my cell phone. You call me 24 hours a day, and I will make sure that this is fucking running within 40 minutes of you telling me. And I was like, this is the company I'm going with. Yes. <laughs> yes. Because that's what I wanted to hear. I just That's all I wanted yeah. to hear was, was who doesn't, though? Who hey, doesn't? bro. Yeah. If you're fast-paced, I'm fast-paced, too, and I'm going to fucking ruin it. And yeah. the thing is, yep. is we... We put our money where our mouth was, and none of us ever knew what Art 15 would do. I mean, when we first started it, it was it was me and Matt. We had brought in Cody Siaza. You know Cody. Cody was yep. another love, JTAC. I love Cody. Cody was another Cody. JTAC at the unit. He was a friend of mine. Him and I were in the 82nd together because he was an Army guy years before, and he has a very good business sense to him, so we brought him in to kind of keep – the business aspect balanced when we decided to go with the t-shirt route. And uh, and then Cody talked all of us in, because I remember this De- December of 2013, Cody, right when we're forming Art 15, Cody's like, hey, I got this, spot, this guy I was, I was in the 82nd with. He's an accountant. We should bring him in. And all of us are like, why? He's like, because he's an accountant, you dumb fucks. Like, he, he's going to keep everything square. <laughs> and we're like... Okay, bring him in. So we bring Brad in. Bring that guy in. But looking back now as a business owner for the last three years, the first piece of advice I give anybody is start your books right. 
bring a goddamn CPA into your business and give them. Yeah, and, and and by the way, you, you know this as well as I do. Like, because those first three months, like you're you're paying for shit that you've borrowed against, or or you know you're setting up the LLC, you're setting up lawyer fees, like all that other stuff. People, you know, a lot of people don't think about that. Where you're like, oh yeah, those costs don't mean anything. No, they do. No, and they, they do. add up. Yeah, they add, they add up real quick, and so you're we, like, all right, cool. We started Art Fifteen with around eighty four hundred dollars, and that was. Cody and Matt put the cash in. I actually put an AR-15 up, and I sent it to Brad to do our accounting for free. I traded him a fucking rifle to do our accounting. (laughs) Wow. That's awesome. That's awesome. So our goal was Matt and I's initial conversation was, fuck, if we could get $2,000 extra a month, we could rent helicopters, Big machine guns, cool shit, tanks. Like, we could rent shit, and we could make cool videos. After the first 15 days, we had done $10,000 in gross sales. And Holy shit. Uh, that was January 14th was when we launched our first four shirts to February 1st. Um, there were only four shirts available at that time, and it was two weeks. And Cody goes... Fuck, $10,000 a month. That's a $120,000 company a year. I'm good with this. Yeah. Like, yeah, it is. I remember I remember him saying that to us. We're like, "Fuck, yeah, we did great. We did because the margin is about 50%, you know, 45-55 in in our favor." So it was like, "Oh shit. Sure. We made good money." Um and then the next month we did like 30. And it was like, "Oh shit." And the next month we did like 90. And it was like, oh, shit. And then, like, five months later, we were all like, we can leave our real jobs <laughs> and just do this. <laughs> and that, had to have been a, that had to have been an amazing thing. It was feeling, unreal because none of us none of us were in that. We, we weren't in it for that. And then it became a reality to the point where we went, oh, shit. Like, this is now our lives. I don't I don't I don't have to rely on on being in the Air Force anymore. Like I could I can leave now. Wow, this feels really good. It was it was amazing. I mean I think that it was for for everybody because it, it has slowly. Well, but, that, but, that, but that's everybody's dream. Yeah. That's everybody's dream right there is to is to not only be working with your best friends, but doing something you love, doing something you're proud of every day. And then you make a profit off of it. And then one it doesn't happen very often. It doesn't, doesn't happen very often. It doesn't. And one thing that I think it also is very rare is that the fact that we have been business partners, the six of us. There's six of us. So there's myself, Rocco, and Matt, and then there's Cody, Brad, Zach. Zach is a vice president. Cody is our chief strategic fucking mover because Cody figures out everything that we need to do next. And then Brad is our CFO. And it's those six have been so effective. We have never once had a qualm like where, where it's like this mutiny or anything like that, where I, where I say that we're the luckiest guys because we, we all are best friends. We own a business together and we are so effective that no one there's, there's nothing else outside of that. At all, like, yeah. like, yeah, it's a it's an effective business that's making money, and you're with your best friends, and and, and that 
ladies and gentlemen, is the American dream. That, that really is the, the American dream. And, and that's why I, I wanted to, to uh, dig into this story tonight is, is to let people out there know that it's possible. You can start you can start companies with your best friends, make them successful. You can be a successful entrepreneur on your own, but it takes a shit ton of hard work and uh, and a shit ton of belief in the people around you. And, uh, and on that note, Jared, who, who's your drinking bro of the week? All right. The drinking bros of the week. We've got two of them. Okay. It is Nate Wessel and Travis Pastrana. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, if you don't know, Nate and Travis are fucking maniacs, by the way. Small time. So, small time maniacs. <laughs> Nobody small knows. Time them. Maniacs. Very unknown. We had a very unknown guy. We had a quick FaceTime this morning, but literally at 10 a.m., those guys were bonging beer. No, I, I'll, I'll say this. They sent me a video. Travis was pouring uh, ginger ale into a half gallon of Captain Morgan. Like he had, he had maybe poured out like a tenth of it and then poured uh, <laughs> a one liter of Captain Morgan into it. And he's like, now it's mixed. Which, which is what he does. Yeah, That's what he yeah, does. Yeah, That's what I he mean, does. So Nate and Travis are fucking amazing people. Travis has done fucking leaps and bounds things from where he came from, where being a professional motocross rider to becoming a professional rally race car driver. Nate Wessel was a professional BMXer. He became a professional ramp builder to the point where he's now uh, Woodward's head ramp builder, and he's Travis's head ramp builder. Uh, well, hey, whatever. Like, like yeah, I, I, like I, I'm a head ramp builder myself. So you know what I'm saying? These guys have two. Two productions you have to check out. Nate's is Bikes Over Baghdad because as a professional BMXer, Nate uh, quite a few years ago said, hey, I want to bring the pro BMX circuit to our troops that are serving overseas. And he made a documentary about it called Bikes Over Baghdad. It's available on all our outlets, Amazon, iTunes, everything. You've got to watch it because it's it's heart-wrenching. I mean, these guys... These guys were kicking ass for for five years straight just doing shows for our troops. Same thing with Travis. Travis is a fucking amazing troop supporter. Uh, he created Nitro Circus. He's you know a legend in the in the motocross community. So Ross, those are our guys. Yeah, Nate and hey. Travis. Cheers! Cheers to them! Cheers! Cheers! Cheers to them! And on that note, Jared, it's been a great night. I, I've enjoyed spending the night with you. It's it, uh, it wasn't silly. It wasn't funny. No, but but without my penis inside of you, it was a great night that we enjoyed together. <laughs> and hey, and you you know who this podcast is brought to us by? It was brought to us by Carnivore Club. What goes great with both beer and wine? Meat. For those meat eaters listening, imagine this. Every month, someone packs two pounds of the tastiest, high-quality, dry-cured meat they can find into a box, and then they mail that box to you. And it's a new meat every single month. Venison jerky, wild boar salami, spicy spreadable pork, you name it. It's a real goddamn thing. It's called Carnivore Club. Taste it for yourself. Go to carnivoreclub.co. 
and sign up. You can use the promo code DRINKINGBROS to get 10% off your first box. That is carnivoreclub.co. And for Jared Taylor and Ross Patterson, with, with, with no Rocco and no Matt Best, I think we made this a magical evening. We are out of I'm here sorry. tonight. We miss him. We miss him. We, we do miss him. But we, we, made, we made lemons out of lemonade tonight is what we did, Jared. And for the Drinking Bros, we are out of here. We love you.